Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 233 from Engage for Success. I'm host for today's show. I'm Joe Moffat. Um, I'm MD and founder of Woodread, and um, I think most of you will know um, what that is by now, but we're a specialist ad agency, and we use brand and the techniques that marketeers use um, to uh, create high-performing internal cultures. And I'm really pleased to have as our guest for today, uh, Alice Streetfield from ORC International. And she's joined us and we're going to be talking for the next sort of 30 minutes um, about how to go about creating an inclusive workplace culture. Um, so welcome to the show, Alice. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you. Um, so as I was saying, Alice is um, from ORC International, where she is Employee Research Director. And we're going to be spending, um, as I said, the next sort of half an hour really talking about inclusivity or inclusion and, and, and diversity in the workplace. But before we get into that um, mm. more generally, um, a little bit about you, Alice. Where, what's your yeah. background? So um, I would say my my sort of... My background is, and in terms of what I'm, why I'm here on the work, uh, call today and the session today, is that I'm all and out, full up, paid up member of the Geek Squad when it comes to employee research and employee right. engagement. Um, I, I actually started my career um, wanting to slightly go into market research, but I've spent the last 11 years really loving what employee research tells us and finding out about how we can make the most out of organizations. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking back to the um, McLeod review that came out in 2009. I remember reading through it in earnest and going, oh my God, look at this, it's brilliant. We're, we're going to finally crack this. Um, yeah. I think there, there are still obviously some things that we need to do, but um, really it's my sort of my career has largely been working in partnership with all sorts of different employers to bring their research to life and really making sure that we understand what those aha moments are to right. ensure that they're actually bringing the best out of their talent internally. Okay. It's interesting as you talk about the McLeod report, because I, I remember very well when we <laughs> first came across that and thinking, oh, hallelujah, there is someone yeah. out there who actually gets <laughs> this stuff. There's actually someone else out there who yeah. is saying these sorts of things and has put some evidence to it and some yeah. proper you know, academic research with footnotes and things. And it was like, no. yes, you know, we're on our way. So it was very exciting. And uh, you know, it's amazing to see how that has kind of turned into the Engage with Success movement. And, you know, yeah. even just a couple of weeks ago, the um, influencing the government strategy, the government industrial strategy, being influenced yeah. very much by, by the thinking, which is, which is great to see. So it's, um, you know, these things take time, but change yeah. doesn't and, uh, we can yeah. turn those oil tankers around, I think. So, okay, yeah. so we, 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 we're taking you out of the geek squad for half an hour, Alice. So um, let's, let's just kick off. Uh, we're yeah. going to be talking about diversity and inclusion. So let's, let's just define what we mean by that. Yeah, I think there are, there are all sorts of different definitions. I mean, if you, you Google them and they'll come up with all sorts of different words. I think the, the best example and best definition that I was um, ever sort of told was that diversity is, is being invited to a dance whilst inclusion is being asked to dance. Um, I think so many, so many people will talk about diversity, which is, is almost like this numbers game where we need to get lots of people in, lots of different faces, lots of different ideas and... Um, I mean, the focus is on, on difference and it, it can feel a little bit like um, almost like we're playing some sort of game rather than really making sure we're bringing the best out of people. Whilst mm-hmm. inclusion, I think this is where 
actually we are exactly that we are inclusive we're not trying to uh, force people into a particular mold we are opening ourselves up to different ideas different um, concepts and actually just slightly realizing the potential and, and that it might not come in a particular way that, that maybe has been cited for the last 20 or well, 50 odd 100 odd years which is um which looks in a particular way it's, it's being open to alternatives i suppose Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that definition of yours. I might have to nick that one, Alice. That's great. Well, I have to full full disclosure. Um, whilst I, I I think it's it's quite a common one. I have to admit, it was um a, a, a counterpart of mine. A, a, uh, Cardiff University, who sort of told me that Karen Cook, um, and I, it really just sort of brought it to life. I thought that was it's just such a great great definition. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's nothing wrong with making great ideas. Is there, really? <laughs> so, um, okay, so we're going to talk about things in the workplace clearly. Yep. Um, but before we do that, let's—I wonder if I could ask you just to sort of set the set the wider society, the wider context yep. theme, and you know what's been happening in this area because obviously there's been you know, a lot of stuff in the news at the moment yeah. that's kind of come to a head. But can you just paint a little bit of a picture for us as a backdrop yep. against which businesses and organisations should be thinking? Yeah, so I think what we often see is that HR and, and things, they're, they're often the people who are seen to be like, oh, diversity, that's your thing. Um, inclusion, mm-hmm. that's that's for you. Um, but I think we'd be foolish to actually just limit it for that. And if we just sort of say, oh, it's just an HR thing. If we look at the press, if we look at what's going on, and whether it's just Twitter, whether it's going on in terms of mainline media or anything, we can see that we are far from, in terms of society, we are far from an inclusive place. Um, what we've almost still got this bullying playground element, which is borne out within Twitter, um, and it's also borne out, unfortunately, within the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are, there are so many different examples of where things are, are falling short, whether it's um, whether it's effectively looking at how um, Brexit has been borne out and talked about, some of the language which is used to discuss it, um, mm-hmm. in, both, in terms of both political spheres, or all political uh, spheres, or whether we talk thinking about what's been happening in Hollywood, um, the sort of the, what's happened with the, the Me Too campaign. I think mm-hmm. we'd be foolish as employers to think that actually it only happens in particular parts of, of the economy or it's, it's not in it, just because it's happening on Twitter or just because it's happening in the news, um, that it, it's not something that we have as, as well. Um, mm. I think it, it's just, it's, it's, so many different things which come up and I think when I read them and when I see them in the press sometimes it, it will get my hackles up um, and I get a little bit ragey um, doesn't necessarily help anyone though um, a little, little bit of a venting again, a little bit of keyboard um, bashing um, but I think uh, whether it's talking about how um, I mean in terms of women in leadership for example we know that's a really big topic but what we don't mm-hmm. tend to talk about is how men aren't necessarily supported in the workplace how actually suicide is the biggest killer of men um, uh, between the ages of 30 and 45 um, mm-hmm. so I think when we talk about diversity and we talk about inclusion is that it's not just the minority groups who are suffering they were pri- predominantly the, the groups who are suffering but actually it doesn't help any of us mm-hmm. um, I think, it's yeah, an attitude it's, of mind, isn't it? I guess really. I mean, it, it's your, you know, it's an attitude of mind of, of if, if you if you have a bullying culture which shuts mm. down um, opinion, um, which which professes to give people opportunity but actually doesn't want to hear what they've got to say, or or you know, yep. cuts them off at the knees when they've got an idea. 
um, yeah. makes them feel, you know, it's a bit, going back to your initial analogy, it's like, yeah, you've invited them to the, to the dance, but you're not yeah. actually going to let them get up and um, pop, yeah. pop down, the, down the middle of the room. So, yeah, it's, um, think, it's, and of course, it's not just the headline stuff, is it? It's not just yeah. the, you know, the big headline, Harvey Weinstein, sexual mm. harassment in the workplace stuff. Um, I mean, clearly that's really, really important and it's really important that people feel an opportunity to speak up. But um, it's almost symptomatic. That's almost the, mm. is, is, that, is, it, is it almost that that's the tip of the iceberg and there's an awful lot of nasty stuff going on underneath it, which we don't yeah. really want to talk about? Well, I think there is. Um, I, a couple of years back, I was, I was speaking at a conference about um, gender equality and, and speaking about uh, the gender pay gap specifically. Um, mm. And I was on a panel, and I was on a panel with predominantly white men, um, and they were saying, do you know what? I think we're doing really well. We've almost cracked it. Um, and I was sort of sitting there and going, oh, God, do you know what? I could, it'd be so easy for me to just go, yeah, you know what? We've come so far. We're doing really well. Um, I didn't because I'm, I am quite a mouthy person um, and I sort of pulled out some stats to highlight to say, yeah, you know what, we have made some headway, but there are still some challenges, still some difficulties. Um, mm. I think there was something really interesting last week in the press about um, a woman who worked part time um, and she was a single parent and she really wanted to progress, but she worked part time. Um, she was doing really, really well, but she was effectively overlooked within the workplace so she rather than carrying on within the workplace she's become self-employed and gone freelance um and i think almost that part-time full-time split it's endemic of what we see in in other forms of the organizations that we work with in that if it doesn't look like normal talent it feels like, oh, then we can't really support it as well. Um, yeah. And that whole thing of what normal talent looks like, um, quite often it it's relates to people um, hiring in their own image um, or um, it, effectively it's, it's kind of that their managers and leaders, they're under pressure. So what do they do? They go for the easiest solution rather than what actually maybe the best solution. Um, I mean, management leadership isn't an easy thing, but there are some things which I think we can all do to make it actually that much better. Mm, which we're going to which we're going to touch on shortly, aren't we? In terms of looking at the five ways that you that you've outlined. Mm. So, so let's let's just narrow it down then from the sort of wider society to look at this from an organisational perspective. Um, this is all you know. This is all important stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. I think most people would agree with that. But why does it actually matter to business? Mm. Well, I think that's that's one of the reasons and one of the things that we talk about in the um, report. So this, the reports that we pulled together is, is one of our talent trends reports. And it's actually mm-hmm. something which we produce for our clients. It's, it's, we have um, uh, what we call the, the in crowd, which all of our clients are, are members of. And they get, um, they, they get sight of, of different reports. And the one that we are about to publish, and um, it's called the uh, talent trends and fourth version of this. And one, the first thing that we talk about is how actually you've got to build the business case. And that mm-hmm. business case, I think it's, it's almost where you, this is where you look over the fence and you look at what, what other people have done and what the impact that made to their own organization. Um, I think the, the secondary piece is about finding out your own data. But the first one is, is essentially that business case. It goes into so many different elements. Um, the report itself talks through... Um, different elements of, of whether it's technology and how that's been developed, whether it's about resilience of a leadership team, whether it's about how it makes a, a, a difference to the bottom line. Um, I mean, there are 
so many different stats around the, the business case. And I always think with, when you're developing a business case, that you have to keep in mind about what is going to really hit your own organization. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if it, is it going to be something about how we relate to our customers and that we're going to reflect our customers? Or is it about, going to be about how we're going to improve profitability or we're going to um, reduce turnover um, or we're going to make sure that we actually um, have stronger financial returns. Um, I mean, there, there is lots of uh, different evidence around that. And as you say, I mean, some of it is it comes through and you can find it through Google. Um, we do pull out some of different examples and case studies in the, in the report as well, which, which helps them. Okay. And can our listeners get hold of this report? I know we're going to talk about some of the, some of the recommendations from the findings yeah. in a bit more detail in a minute, but just we can, and we can, touch on this data but can they get hold of copies of that if they'd yes. like to yeah sorry i'm just going straight in yes they can um if they email um our, our sort of team on answers at org international and request a copy of the trial and trends report then the team okay. will be able to, to get back but i can make sure that i'll i'll probably spam out a tweet a tweet or something which will show the details about it and how to get hold okay. of it lovely okay great stuff so so there's a lot of arguments as to why this is yeah. good for business um, we could we could talk about those entirely, yeah. but clearly that's not what we're here for. What we're looking to do really is to is to start yeah. moving on a little bit to look at some of the practical ways people can can start to yeah. create that kind of culture. But what what, what gets in the way? What stops organisations? What are the challenges, particularly? Would you say? Do you know? I think it's I think the challenges are that it seems to be either too hard, um, it's not seem to be worth it, and you haven't got the leadership team on board, um, or that you've got this sense where people think it's a nice to have rather than um, an important thing. Um, yeah. Diversity, it, it's um, it, there's there's a sort of broader sense where if you look within the media, if you look about how it's talked about, it's you'll see it where it's oh political correctness gone mad, um, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. it sort of limits it rather than saying actually it's not political correctness this is about bringing out our potential um yes. we have i think it, it'd be it's almost like saying that all of our our best talent has been look at how it looks um uh all of all of the best ideas in the world is only ever going to come from white male um individuals who have had a, a, a particular sort of social upbringing um that mm-hmm. they have had all the various different privileges um and this is me saying this i'm aware that i am very privileged in many different ways um but i think uh, yeah it's slightly off tangent they can tell I'm, I'm quite passionate about this yeah. um yeah. but i think there's something about you know if we haven't got the business case right and we we sort of push in that it's only a nice thing to do um and we don't have real stories then we're not really going to get very far um mm-hmm. I think there's, there are other sort of just different things that come up against, and it's it's almost about having that perseverance to get through those barriers. Um, yeah. to, so to so really, it. yeah, as you say, it does come back to building the business case in the first place. Yeah. Because if yeah. you build the business case in the first place, then actually people do understand that this is worth pursuing, and it's not yeah. just a box exercise, and it's not something yeah. just to pay lip service to, something to sort of you know put on the annual report that you have a policy for um yeah. but that you really do play to that fourth enabler if you like of engagement with success that there is not a gap between what yeah. an organization says and how it says it will be and how it says it will behave and the way that it actually does so there's that integrity organizational integrity being being so key so it's a place to that really doesn't it oh hugely um and i think there's something about how 
looking not only in that integrity, but it, it relates externally as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think an organisation isn't going to be hugely resilient to some of the scandals which have happened. So it, it's not so much we just have the, the fear of going, oh my God, what if we're going to be the next scandal? It's not so much we want to live like that because we shouldn't be living... Um, we shouldn't be thinking, oh, God, we're going to get caught out. We, we want to make sure that we are the best employers because the whole point mm. of Engage for Success and all of the things is about bringing the best out of our potential um, and, and bringing the best out of people. Um, I mean, if people aren't able to bring them full, their full selves to work, if um, we continue to see that, for example, men are more likely to feel uh, safe to speak up and challenge, more likely mm-hmm. to feel that they have their um, deadlines are reasonable, um, then actually it suggests that there's a moment we've got this talent who who isn't really being able to bring their their full self and challenge things um mm-hmm. i think it, it also as i say it goes both ways in that it, when we look at them and thinking about how um men men get a raw deal in many different ways um so uh, what's it? uh men, women are more likely to feel that there's support in place um in terms of pressure and that chimes mm-hmm. if we look at say about how men are going to seek support elsewhere then they're less likely to or even thoughts about generational differences um we can see so many that come out and i think when we get the business case in terms of looking at over the fence and what other organizations have done we then almost want to look internally to identify our own data um and our own challenges because i think you know you can get inspiration by looking at the fence and seeing what other organizations have done but you've got to be driven by your own um data and your own mm-hmm. challenges because otherwise mm-hmm. it's, it's almost a bit like you you sort of find a rash and you go i'm going to google that i'm going to find out what's going on see what google tells me and you end yeah. up by having you're like oh my god i've got some really rare disease when actually you've just spilt some food down yourself um and that, that, <laughs> yeah. that might just be me um yeah no, no, I, I know what you mean. okay <laughs> okay so Let's talk about these five ways then, because we yep. promised them sort of practical guidance. So yep. these, are, these have all come from the same report then, the Talent yep. Trends Report number four, um, yep. which people can get from answers at orbinternational.co.uk. So yep. Yep. take it away, Alice. Talk us through what they are. What's the first one? So we've we slightly already covered this. So the first one, it really is about getting that business case um, mm-hmm. and really highlighting about really what the benefits are. Um, right. We've talked a little bit about what, what that really looks like and how you do that, but really about making sure that you're clear about why. Um, leaders quite often, they're critical thinkers, so you want to have everything up your sleeve so that you can answer the different questions which will come up to highlight mm-hmm. actually it's in their best interest. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is is making sure that you are led by data rather than hearsay. Um, right. I mean, I think maybe the team would team might not like me to saying this, but I think there's something about how yes, be led by data, but that data also needs to tell a story. Um, mm-hmm. Humans we like stories. Um, yeah. I think it's inherent to us. It's how we've grown up, how we learn. Um, and actually, some of the stories which come out they can help to personify what is coming out from the data. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you if you just look at numbers, numbers can provide evidence, but that's not really going to make someone go, oh, if we only have work network things after work, it makes it very different difficult if you have um, sort of caring responsibilities or mm-hmm. if all of our networking is all over alcohol. What about if someone doesn't drink alcohol mm-hmm. um, or some of the elements which come through in terms of um, I've seen it where an organization realized that they had within their career development programs, they had it that um, you had to have spoken at an international conference and yet it didn't cite more uh, locally driven um, uh, 
value. So, for example, if someone had been on television talking about the work they do, that wasn't counted in their um, their impact statements. Right. So, I think some of it is coming, it's almost looking at your data, looking at your experiences and then pulling it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one comes through in terms of making sure we're looking at that unconscious and conscious bias. Um, right. Let's talk a little bit more about that then. Yeah, I think this is, is something which is, is really important, especially when um, we look at the world in which we have to make really quick decisions. Managers mm-hmm. are put under so much pressure. Um, so they have lots of different things throwing to them. So we have to make quick judgments. Um, and all of us have got unconscious bias and, and even conscious bias. So it's making sure that we either you know, put that in check and we also realise the impact of it. Um, I mean, some of the, the work that's done in, in employees is, is removing, so, so to address unconscious bias in, in hiring, for example, is removing mm-hmm. names, removing universities and details on there so that people, when they're coming and choosing people to come to interview, they aren't making assumptions on the basis of that individual's gender, what mm-hmm. university they've been to and whether actually, oh, they, they've gone to that university, they're in my club type thing. Yeah. Um, and and also elements about social inclusion. I think it, it then comes through from that. Um, I mean, there are there are so many different organisations that will do different um, on, um, sort of bias and, and, and conscious and conscious bias training. Um, and I think that that's helpful. But you, I have also I'm aware that some one organisation told me about how they ran this training, um, and a leader turned around to them when they were sort of called out on something. Is that they were they said, oh, that's just my unconscious bias. Um, he said, well. Yes, it is, but just because it's your unconscious bias, you have, you have been identified, you know what it is, so you should now be doing something about it. Yes, um, yes it's not good enough just to say, oh, yes, that's unconscious bias, yeah. therefore I can't actually... It's, it's not the same thing for it to be unconscious no. and unable to be controlled. Yeah. They're, not, they're, no. not, um, they're not mutually exclusive, are they? No, no, really not. Um, I mean, I think the, the sort of bias side of things is, is really important. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had it where um, we've had leadership teams say to us as, a, as an organization, oh, I'll tell you what, don't, um, we really need to have a, a traditional speaker. Um, and it was uh, to, to their leadership team because their leadership team wasn't going to accept um, someone who maybe didn't fit their own stereotype and their own sort of biases. And, and I think, as we were putting in quite an, a difficult position, but I mean, we, we effectively challenged them and tried to say, okay, well, how do you think that then bears out within your organisation if that's something which is known um, and shared? Um, but again, I mean, I, I digress. I think there's something about when you have unconscious and conscious bias, you have to challenge it. Um, mm. And that's at all different levels, whether it's leadership team, whether it's calling out banter, um, which isn't banter. It's not just a sort of, um, it, it's not a brushway comment if it's, if it's hurting someone. Um, mm. And it's, it's limiting the extent to which someone can, can share um, opinions. Yeah. Um, oh dear. Um, okay, okay. I, and yeah, there's a, there's a little puppy in the background. I'm very sorry about that. That's all right. How sweet. Do you want to involve him? We, well, him the inclusion of the puppy would be great. Well, well exactly. I mean, that, <laughs> she, she clearly no, thinks that um, it, it's worth, worth embarking. Anyway, it's time for food, she, obviously. Well, okay. something. Anyway. Okay, what about number four then, Alice? Number four. So, um, number four, effectively, this is. is coming on and building on that sense of unconscious and conscious bias so we Mm. we actually then look about how we then embed it within the organizational culture so for example this is about how if you were to hire a whole lot of of different people 
that isn't going to suddenly make your organization um, uh, suddenly diverse. It's not going to suddenly make it a better place to work. Um, right. You've got to look at the role modeling. You've got to look about how people communicate. Um, you've got to look at your policies and you've mm. got to make sure that you are, um, you're actually reflecting the, uh, the opportunity for people to, um, to be different so uh, this is really about how ideas are then treated if someone's going to um sorry about this i don't my dog right. is not normally a barker um, don't worry don't worry about it it's fine, <laughs> fine. So, so really what you're saying is it's not enough just to go let's just recruit a lot of and make no. sure we've got a good diverse workforce yeah. tick box yeah. um if in fact we haven't done anything about creating career pathways, yeah. uh, mentoring, yeah. training, yeah. that our communications are not inclusive. So yeah. again, it comes back to your initial definition, doesn't it? That, yeah. you know, yeah. it's inviting them to dance, but not actually asking them to dance. So it's about embedding it. So it, you've got to do more than simply take a, make a commitment to have a diverse workforce. You've got to take practical steps to yeah. make them feel and actually be included in order yep. to make an inclusive culture, yeah? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. And that, I mean, I think the, the sort of final one really is about, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's almost about how you can encourage people to acquire diversity. So um, this, I mean, all of these things, I know I've slightly talked about the protected characteristics, but it, diversity goes beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. It goes into about how different people work together and how people um, will interact with different ideas. Um, and one of the things which we see in many employees is that they get almost stuck in a rut. Um, and if you get stuck into a rut, then you then can end up by almost not being able to see the wood for the trees. You're not able to understand about alternatives. And this can be about how you um, broaden people's mind through opportunities of secondments, through mentoring, mm-hmm. as you say, even reverse mentoring. Um, mm-hmm. This is something which takes so valuable to getting different perspectives um and i think leadership teams so often um they're so they they almost only get one perspective um and it sometimes can be a slightly um uh well yeah sort of their their direct reports can almost feel a little bit reticent to share ideas and challenge things upwards so mm. actually reverse mentoring can be really really great well it can can't it it's really it, i i've I've spoken to a number of people actually who've, who've experienced reverse mentoring. These are quite, you know, clearly quite quite senior people who've, yeah. who've said it's absolutely changed their changed their whole yeah. outlook on things. Yeah. And in a way, it's almost better than mentoring because mentoring yeah. is almost, if you're not careful, mentoring is simply perpetuating the status quo and creating more clones in my own image. Yeah. But yeah. reverse mentoring is actually taking the scales away from the eyes and making helping people at a senior level who can actually really influence culture yeah. um to to think about how they might do things differently so i think it's a it's a fascinating subject really so i think so okay okay um so so there are five there are five um yeah. ways um and they they presumably we, we, we've already said people can get hold of the report and go yeah. into those in a little bit more detail um mm-hmm. but we've, we've got a couple of minutes left now yeah. um for the before we close tonight and um i just really wanted to finish off by asking you if there was if there was one thing that um, you would like people to take away from our, our conversation in the last half hour, what, what would it be? What would be the, you know, the one thing to remember in you know, six months' time about that conversation that you heard? Um, so 
I almost want to throw a curveball by rather than saying that it's one of the, the five things that I've shared, it's almost cuts across all of them. Um, <laughs> the, the thing which I would almost really like people to take away is that it, it starts with them. Um, and it starts as us as individuals. So whether it's checking our own balances, um, our own balances, checking our own biases, or or actually challenging different behaviour that we witness, or mm-hmm. even trying to look at things differently. So um, one of the things which I, I find really great is to read a newspaper which doesn't align to my own politics, um, right. because then it challenges me. Um, and it's a really small thing, but basically continue to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Look at things differently yourself and then see about how you can then bring that in and, and pull things pull things together. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, of course, that, that really is basically saying this isn't just about the... It's not just a leadership responsibility. No. It's not just a management responsibility. It's actually everybody's responsibility yep. to, to look into themselves and think about what they can do differently. Hugely, yeah. hugely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think it, it does. If we're trying to, if we're going to make a difference, is that we can't just, as, as central teams or HR or, or leaders or anything like that, we can't just do it. We need to almost support others in supporting it. So this is about how we embed inclusion within an organisation. Mm. Mm. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about challenging yourself personally to, mm. you know, read read newspapers outside of your own political um, mm. leanings, and I think that's really interesting because. Actually, you touched on it earlier with some of the sort of the bullying on things like mm. Twitter and the, some of the sort of tribal behaviours that we've begun to witness in the last 12, 18 months, both in yeah. the UK and in the US. There's almost yeah. a sense that people are actually retreating into yeah. their tribal bubbles, yeah. um, which, in, which is, has got to be one of the biggest challenges to diversity and inclusion that there is, hasn't yeah. it? Because people then yeah. just start looking for people like them talking to people who agree with them, listening to other people who say the same thing as them and therefore thinking, well, everyone thinks that, don't they, when actually they don't. So, yeah, yeah it's really I think, I think hugely, a very small thing is that we, I think we've had that and the challenge to that in many ways was that Me Too campaign. It's slightly mm-hmm. cut across that and I think it's, it helped to sort of almost overcome some of the things we're saying, all right, we're not going to look at this, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I digress. I could talk about this for hours. And we can't, because we've now run out of time. So, Alice, thank you so much. It's been really stimulating. I've loved having you on the show. Thank you. Um, so it just remains for me to um, say thank you to you. Thank you to our listeners for listening. Uh, we've got one more show um, next week before we break for Christmas, and then we're back on on the 8th of January. So this is my last show. I wish everyone a happy Christmas and a uh, happy new year in 2018. And um, say goodnight and thank you, Alice. Thank you. Pleasure. Good to speak to you. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.